just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Welcome back. It's good to be back. Phil, how's it going? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Cameron? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Sometimes that's the best you can ask for. Yeah, you know. Well, we're back. Another cold January day. It's beautiful. Beautiful weather. I could use a little warmer and a little more snow. (laughs) That's the problem. But we're going to bring you another episode today. Thought we'd jump uh, to kind of another multi-universe episode, I suppose. Yeah, sort of. Talking about light speed travel and... and Specifically faster than light travel. We'd like to get into all science fiction universes. Well, the more prominent ones, I would say. Halo, Mass Effect, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, Warhammer, maybe? Yeah, we could talk about Warhammer a little <laughs> I mean, bit. I don't know anything about Warhammer, but... I could Phillip throw a little does. bit out there. But yeah, let's jump right in. Well, what do you want to start with? Let's start... Um, let's kind of start with each... I don't know. Galactic entity, I guess you could say. Yeah. And then break it down, and then we can maybe kind of compare and see which one's most feasible to achieve in, in our human life. Oh, yeah. That'd... Or at least in the next hundred years theoretically (laughs) right but yeah let's start with star wars that one's kind of our bread and butter at least for this podcast (laughs) right so jump drives hyperdrives it's all hyperspace travel and it's essentially a huge reactor placed on a ship that's mounted to a galactic interfacing system which is a map essentially and you punch in the coordinates to the planet on a XYZ axis, and then you punch hyperdrive, and you literally, these hyperdrives start spinning to a speed that's just astronomical and in, in no way achievable at our current state in our earthly world, but creates enough energy to explode and literally force the ship into light speed like tear a hole through space and travel forces the ship outside of space time correct now where star wars gets it i guess you could say where, where it becomes difficult to see as a i don't know a feasible way of travel is because a lot of the little ships in star wars like tie fighters don't have jump drives right they can't they're too small a lot of other freighters and ships, like cargo ships, they have them because they have the mass. And the problem is, in order to achieve that essentially entering the, the point of no return to travel faster than the speed of light, the ship would be torn apart. Right. In, in, in reality, the minute you punch hyperdrive... And you start traveling. The ship would be atomized. It, it would like like you see in the movie the the blue and white lines that form. Right. As soon as those lines become elongated to the the space time continuum, essentially, the event horizon. Well, not an event horizon. That'd be a black hole. But the once you begin to. 
propel yourself faster than the speed of light. Yeah, the acceleration they would be under is absolutely it, ridiculous. Astronomical numbers. And and, and it, the ship would literally be just ripped apart. Well, and I think everybody can pretty much accept the fact that that was a product of the era that Star Wars was first constructed in. There mm-hmm. wasn't a whole lot of knowledge of, of the goings-on. Um, but I would say it's pretty... It can be well agreed upon that Star Wars' faster-than-light travel is pretty well just a plot convenience. I mean, there's not a whole lot done to really truly explain limitations, different speeds, different time frames. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of of examples of like, oh, it took three weeks to travel this third of the galaxy, but they jumped from... Coruscant to Mustafar in an hour and a half. I mean, which is halfway across the galaxy, right? So, <clears throat> I, I think it's pretty well. Or Obi Wan going from Coruscant to Kamino in the Outer Rim. Yeah, I think it's pretty. <laughs> I think it's pretty well established that for Star Wars, you just kind of have to go with it because it is plot armor. It's I wouldn't. Not... I wouldn't call it plot armor as much as I would convenience. Plot convenience, obviously. In a two to three hour movie frame, it's going to be hard to show, okay, well, what happened in three weeks when Obi-Wan left Coruscant to go to Mustafar? Right. Or what happened when Jango Fett left Kamino to go to Geonosis, which is also across the galaxy. Like, you have these periods of time that they have to kind of make up for. That's when the scene changes. Right. And... This isn't Star Trek where you can go warp 10 and literally travel 10 trillion light years into the future. Instant. <laughs> right. Instantaneous time travel. I mean, so I can kind of see where Star Wars can get away with it. Oh, absolutely. But it does enter into the world-breaking aspect of things. It can be. Uh, the EU's a little bit better, but it's still guilty of it in just leaps and bounds of not explaining itself on the time scale. Uh, dealing with, oh, this this happens and it takes three weeks to get there and then this happens and the same faction flying the same type of ships can get there in an hour and a half to reinforce. It's just, I think it's often an oversight and it's a fairly easy oversight to make and it, it's acceptable. What's really great is all this debunking hyperspace travel in Star Wars will not change how much I love Star Wars. It's true. (laughs) Absolutely not. But I will say I've got a a bit of an eye-opener, and for any of our listeners who already know about this, you're probably going to be like, yup. For those of you who don't know, buckle up. I have a theory. What we know, Philip and I being... Jar Jar Binks is the Sith Lord. That's all we got, folks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Every time you talk about Star Wars theories, that's the first thing that jumps to mind. That is the not even a theory on my list because it's improbable. So, anyways, Philip and I are. I I studied a lot of astronomy growing up. I took courses in high school and college, and I loved physics and chemistry. And Philip is just some dumb hick. Don't worry about me. Philip's a really, really big physics guy, and so he and I, when we met in college, would always have these discussions about, I would come from an an astronomy standpoint, and he would come from a physics standpoint, and we would have debates and debacles over things in life, but this is one Philip can agree on. 
and I, I, I believe. So when in episode four, A New Hope, when Han, Chewie, Obi-Wan, and Luke were traveling to Alderaan, and the Death Star blew up Alderaan, because the Millennium Falcon was already in hyperspace, technically when they came out of light speed, Alderaan should have still been there. <clears throat> I would say that would depend. Because... It's possible. It, it, it does depend, but the distance at which the Death Star was from Alderaan, that laser that it fired, no matter the mass, because it's still photonic particles and it's a laser, it's already traveling at the speed of light. But if the Millennium Falcon was already at the proper trajectory and already halfway to the planet, by physics definition, they should have made it to Alderaan at or before it was exp- it was blown up. That depends on several <laughs> things. Uh, figuring that out, you'd have to know exactly the instant at which the laser was fired. Uh, you would have to know where they were, whether they were underway or not. They were already underway. So, you would have to know the distances traveled and the speed at which they were traveling. Faster than light is not instantaneous, it just means faster than the speed light travels. But if they were traveling faster than the speed of light, the Death Star beam would have been traveling... Slower. Slower. Yes. But... If they have a greater distance to cover and it takes them more time to cover that distance than it takes the laser to cover the distance to the planet. And you also have to think about, and you don't necessarily have to because you're talking Star Wars and they don't really bring it up. (laughs) Exactly. But you would have to think about the ramifications of time dilation. Of the fact that you're traveling faster than light, the relative existence of time. There wouldn't there wouldn't be a dilation. They would either be there at or before the explosion. Right. If they're traveling, traveling faster than the but laser. But the faster you travel, uh, the more time is, dil- is dilated. If you're traveling faster than light, you're going to have to deal with some pretty interesting effects on relative time. Well, time relative theory to of you. relativity. Right. And so there's going to be a ton of math in figuring that out, but it's entirely possible that they should have come out before. That's what I'm saying. So, yes, while the math is still there, I'm just saying open up your mind and think about it for a second. It only makes sense that if they're traveling faster than the laser the Death Star could fire, no matter if the Death Star was within 100 leagues of Alderaan or 10 leagues from Alderaan. That laser is still going to travel because of the theory of relativity. It's going right. to travel at the same speed no matter if they were closest to the planet or not. Right. The Millennium Falcon already being on trajectory and already being halfway through its travel to Alderaan. I guess that would depend on the speed at which they were traveling. Faster than the speed of light. Okay, so there's a lot of numbers that are bigger than the speed of light. There are No, what I'm saying is they're already going faster than the laser from the Death Star. Yes. That's already a known fact. Yes. But Just something it, to think about. But if it takes 12 <clears throat> minutes to travel through FTL to get there, it still takes 12 minutes relative to the planet. To Alderaan, because Alderaan isn't moving. Right. But to them... That time from when from when they get would there, have been all, almost instant. Right, it wouldn't have changed. Right. So it's just something to think about. It's always something that's plagued my mind every time I watch that scene. I'm like, 
God, you know they should. You're gonna make me do math. (laughs) No, you're not. You're gonna make me do math. It's a Friday night. You're not doing it. (laughs) I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to have a drink just so I can get out of doing math. Listen, I'm just saying. Just think about it. Take it home. Do your own homework. If you guys are as big nerds as we are, you'll try to figure it out. I know I probably will. But and if you do the math, I'm gonna get drunk. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) send us the math. I'd love to see it. I don't want to have to do it. (laughs) But Star Wars. Pretty self-explanatory. Pretty straightforward. It's, it's a broken system. But it's the one that I firmly believe we could achieve if we had the proper knowledge of... No, no, no. We have proper no, knowledge of interstellar travel. We have no idea the ramifications of tearing a hole in space. It's not tearing a hole in space. We'll, we'll get to Halo in just a second. <laughs> this is, okay, this okay. is Star Wars. Spinning an item fast enough that you can jump. Yes. That And where is that located in Switzerland? Underground? I believe uh, they collide two atoms? Not faster than light. Dude. Okay, but what I'm saying is... Fractions of the speed of light. Okay, but we already... What I'm, My point is we already have the technology to do it. There's better ways. Of course there is. And we'll get and to it. And there's ways that we're, we're already working on. Oh. Don't know. Anyways. Gravity right. acceleration for a Gra- while. Oh, I knew you were going to go there. That doesn't make any sense because you don't... You have to account for the trajectory and you the gravity of where you're going. You distort space. It's that easy. That's going to... Cu- that, that would require a lot more power than an FTL drive or a jump drive. Well, that depends on the drive, I suppose. And then you have to take into account... It has to be enough. And it's not necessarily power. It would be potential. Okay, but the potential, it's going to be kinetic. Or not kinetic energy. Well, you'd have to convert it. But that's my point. You would have to fight Earth's gravity with this gravity. Well, that depends how far away from Earth you are. And then you have to fight (coughs) the gravity of the planet or moon that you want to travel to. So you don't immediately just... Only for a fraction of the trip... For the first, what, 1% of the trip on the way out and 1% of the trip on the way at the end of the trip? Yeah, it's not too bad. And if you get it wrong, you smack into the rock going faster than the speed of light and you're immediately atomized. So don't get it wrong. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, okay. And if you get it wrong, it won't be your problem for much longer. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine the pilot saying that to his co-pilot. Oh, I hope we don't get it wrong. Nah, we'll be all right. Just don't get it wrong. Splat. And they don't care anymore. <laughs> because they got it wrong. Uh, all right, well, let's move on. I think everyone knows Star Wars, if you listen to our podcast right. enough. Um, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. There is canonically faster than light travel in Harry Potter. Yes, there is. Disapparation. Right, but let's not get into that until no, we No, I, I don't want to get that get into that one at all in this episode. I just want to bring out the fact that there is faster than light travel in because Harry Potter. Because technically Lord of the Rings would have it as well. Ooh, really? Astral projections. But are you traveling? If you are projecting yourself and you can then warp essentially to that point, I don't. It's true. I'd have to. I'd have to read up. Ah, the light bulb. I see it I'd on have your to read head. Up on that because that doesn't sound right. Of course it does. No, it doesn't. Who astral projects? All of the gods. They don't astral project. Astrologically projecting themselves onto planets as visages or, or poltergeists or okay, a planet. Middle Earth. And then they can yeah, then but, appear. Is that actually traveling? I don't know. That 
I'd have to read the Silmarillion. Think about again. it. Okay, well then think about Luke doing it in Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. Yeah, but he wasn't there. But it's still a projection, and the time it would take him to project himself as a visage would be no different than traveling from point A to point B faster than the speed of light. Okay. Because it's mir- okay. it's mirroring your actions. I I guess there's an argument for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's an argument for that. There's a I think l- it's wrong, but yeah. There's an argument. There's, it's not wrong. <laughs> just because it's not an actual material, it's more of a spectral being. I guess you couldn't really even call it spectral because it's not necessarily a... Yeah, but I guess that depends on your. I guess or, that depends on your definition of spirit. Anyways, that's my point. Another topic for another time. No, I just wanted to throw out there that there is indeed FTL travel in in Harry Potter. It's so funny to think about. <laughs> Any, it doesn't make sense. He's not in a ship. Anyways, um, and it's faster than any of the the FTL travel that we'll be talking about, other than perhaps warp ten in Star Trek. Warp ten was only seen couple of times like twice right but it, it was seen and it, it would be f- as fast because apparition disapparition are instantaneous warp 10 well is and well. the only reason warp 10 was achieved the first time we see it is um oh yeah Captain when they picard is that the i don't remember which episode that was anyways let's go on to talk about um FDL it was, travel it was in, definitely um, it was definitely in the beginning of the God. What is the name of the the damn show that he's Next in? Generation? Next Generation. Why was I thinking Odyssey? Odyssey. I didn't care for Odyssey. Anyways, Star Trek Next Generation. Warp Ten is only seen a handful of times. Like I said, Next Generation is one where, and it was by happenstance because they had that. Um, what was the race of that? godlike being that was on the ship controlling it the q no it wasn't q it was a completely separate it was a new species oh that's right that 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 one yellow shirt from uh starfleet was on the ship and he's like i'm gonna test something on your ship and picard was like why like why my ship and no right but and and, uh, uh lieutenant Riker was it was, that was actually really funny when he was giving a run for his money. But no, it was a, uh, a species of alien that he was like phasing in and out of time as he was controlling the ship's warp drive. Right. And he was able to make it go to warp 10 essentially by transferring his power to the ship or something. Right. And they had traveled some astronomical tens of distance. trillions of light years, not miles. Uh, did they travel to a different galaxy in that episode? Multiple. Yeah, they were multiple galaxies over, but it was yeah, I remember that episode now. Yeah, they went from one end of their <coughs> of of the galaxy to the other and then they had passed into a bunch of other passed through a bunch of others. Right. And almost I, instantly. I was trying to do somewhat math in my head and I was like, "Holy crap, they were traveling upwards in the Billions of light years. Uh, rather, rather traveled. than traveling, they flashed. They they existed at one point and then at another. But do you know they, what that would d- mean? Theory of relativity wise, in Star Trek, they still would exist at their origination point. Momentarily, yeah. 
obviously it would fade as time you moves would forward. you would be but depending on how you far would be ahead located they are, at both positions for a fraction of time a fraction of a second you would be located at both positions simultaneously yes and i really want to get into the flash because he's my absolute no you can't do it he's not faster than light the reverse flash is. Ah, it's, it's not flash. Tachyonic particles. It's not flash. Okay, reverse flash is my favorite supervillain in the DC universe. Oh, you think he's a villain? He is a supervillain. No. Reverse he's flash? He's hero. No, he's not. He's an anti-hero. He's, he's the hero. He's a hero of his own gain. Exactly. And eventually will betray the and? hero. And? You didn't relate with him? I did because I read his comics when I was a kid. I'm still not convinced. I, I think he's a hero that is both misunderstood Eobard and Eobard is not a hero. Just like anyone who says Venom, who's my favorite supervillain in the Marvel Universe. He's not a hero. He is not a hero. No. They gave him a spinoff his, of his own movies, which are amazing. But he is not a hero. No. And I'll tell you why. I've got two series full of comic books about Venom. You read any of those? He's not a hero. No, he is definitely not a he hero. He's an anti-hero. I, I, the reason I say that Eobarthon is a hero is because he is, he is a corrupted hero. But he never was a hero from the start. Eobarthon was never a hero. He would have been. Because uh, uh, he came from the future. Yes. Came back to torment the Flash because the Flash was messing with his stuff and ruined his speed and he ruined his tachyonic particles and all these things if it was not for that circumstance he would have been a hero and i really 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 wish somebody would do a graphic novel of the alternate timeline where eobard thon didn't get screwed with and ended up a hero in he his created own time. that timeline I know he did, but I want to see what would have happened if he had been, if he had never been the reverse Flash. Well, nothing. He would have just been a physics professor. Kind of. I think he would have created the tech that he did for reverse Flash, except used it for good. And I think he would have made an excellent hero and and i know he's not a hero as written but i think that storyline could be amazing here's the only reason i don't consider him a hero a lot like batman who doesn't have superpowers the reverse flash technically doesn't have superpowers right his suit is inlaid with tachyonic particles and speed force a retainer which he captured the speed force from traveling faster than the speed of light to enter the speed force, which right. is the alternate dimension. And then he entered the negative speed force, which gave him the reverse right. factor, the, the reverse effects of the flash. So he technically, if without his suit, which is why he wears that ring, right. without the suit, he doesn't have powers. No. He's so just the a reverse super, flash super can smart. travel faster than the speed of light. He can. He can travel faster than the fastest speed of light. There is only one speed of light. Tachyons travel faster than the speed of light. Right, but there is. And only do you want to open up that old college debate light. we had? 
There is only one Technically, speed of light. Technically, black holes are faster than the speed of light. There is only one <laughs> speed of light. There is, but I was making... There are things that are faster. It was a rhetorical well, statement. I don't know that they would be faster. Even a black hole, I don't know if that would be faster. It because a black be. hole doesn't... Rel- relative to itself doesn't move. It doesn't move, it grows. Ah, yeah, that is... And here's the thing. Here's the only reason I say it's faster than the speed of light. Because if light can't escape it, that means the, the speed of light is not fast enough to escape the event horizon. That is the only reason I make a claim that a black hole is, quote, faster, quote, than the speed of light. The light can't escape. Not faster distance traveled wise, but faster in the sense of how atoms move. Right. The light can't escape, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's being pulled faster. It just means it's being slowed down. I miss these talks with you. Yeah. <laughs> well. Anyways, to... <laughs> regardless of any of that, the speed right. of light back is to Star the Trek. speed of light. Right. Back to Star Trek. Philip and I, when we were roommates in college, would lay up for hours, hours. I mean, like two, three, four in the morning before going to class the next day, talking about physics and yeah, philosophy. Oh, man, good times. Anyways, back to Star Trek. I think uh, Voyager is the next case I can think of that they did warp 10, but we've kind of covered warp 10. It's instantaneous travel. It's literally a blink Um, of an eye. Well, it's faster than that. I mean, it's instantaneous to the point where you would have one copy of each segment in both locations at the same time while one fades and one grows that's like mach 10,000 almost <laughs> it would be <laughs> it's more it's, it's instantaneous there I, is no it is infinite yeah there is no number it is infinite so when you see the sideways figure eight that is literally what we're talking about it infinite. is the end of numbers it's, it is as fast as is fat technically it's not even a number so you can't right on the same scale it's an idea but Star Trek runs runs their ships run off of warp drives. And very similar to the hyperdrives in Star Wars, they start with a charge, and this charge then creates enough power to essentially explode. The, but where Star Trek does it different is that they don't require they require capacitors like Star Wars, but there's there's another part of the ship that they don't require that Star Wars has to travel. Uh, faster than the speed of light, and I'm really drawing a the blank. The cells? No. Because um, the only thing I can think of is the difference is the nacelles, the 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 cylindrical outcroppings on Star <laughs> Trek ships, um, and that's kind of well, where those they would get be their, afterburners. Be well, no, that's where be they no get different. their their warp capabilities. I don't remember exactly how, what the in-universe explanation of those is, but essentially those are where the acceleration comes from. They're not used in any meaningful way, if I remember correctly, during sublight travel, but that is the method used by Star Wars, and that's why so many, and if not Star all, Trek, or mean? Star Trek, that's why so many, if not all, Star Trek ships have uh, those outcroppings, those nacelles. It it really does create an iconic look for all of Star Trek's yeah, shows. It's the uh, they're like the engine. I I like to consider them afterburners. Yeah, 
But um, no, I can't think of it, but that's fine. So you'll notice in a lot of Star Trek ships, they have those outcroppings on the back of their ships because that's how they propel themselves. It's almost like um, like a submarine, the tail fin. Right. They have to have it to travel. Right. Versus Star Wars doesn't because the afterburners are either recessed inside of the ship or the ship is just for some reason ungodly massive enough to totally have the mass right to propel itself forward right a lot of star trek ships are not that big in the grand scheme of things that's why they have to have this so and then like just regular travel for star wars is literally the ship not moving at all it's just floating through space yeah versus star trek they have just regular like a sublight engine almost right where they're just floating in space, but they're able to propel themselves and steer themselves because they have... Through the thrusters and, and right different engines. But Star Trek is always one that I, I don't think that would be achievable in our life. I don't know that mathematically Star Trek would be achievable, period. Anything in Star Trek would never be achievable. I, I mean... There's a lot of really cool theories, and they did especially base beaming a lot capabilities. Of it. That doesn't make sense. They they did base a lot of it on the scientific theories, and there's a lot in Star Trek that I would argue is it's a really beautiful way of normalizing scientific thought to people that otherwise wouldn't have an excuse to know it. Kind of like me. I don't really have an excuse to know that much about physics, but because of my affinity for nerdy pastimes, interstellar space I learned time. them. <laughs> and I think Star Trek is a really beautiful way of taking these theories and, and putting them into the minds of people that have no reason to learn about them. I guess for me it's more... A lot of Star Trek things, all of this obviously is futuristic, but Star Trek takes... Star Trek takes a great deal of liberty. Star Trek takes world-breaking phenomena and multiplies them indefinitely. All of Star Trek is (laughs) world-breaking. I mean... Everything from beaming to warp 10 to... Now, it's all possible, theoretically. I mean... Beaming is theoretically possible. No, it's not. With the right amount of energy, you cannot you cannot break down the atoms of a of you're not a breaking human them down. Being. You're copying them. Okay, think about how much energy that would require from a ship to do that. No, it would require the amount of energy produced by a massive star. Exactly my point. No, so I'm not you disagreeing. Condense, no, what I'm saying is it's not possible. It depends on your energy source. To break down the atoms of a human being and not copy them, but displace them, project them onto a planet's surface at the precise location of the beaming device. In the precise order. In the precise order. Then to reconstruct those atoms perfectly is not feasible probable in any way shape, oh or form. i didn't say it's po- possible even or i didn't say it's probable i said it's theoretically possible well, anything's theoretically possible kind of like uh matter reconstitution the 
uh, are they the replicators? Yeah. They where you create are food theoretically <laughs> possible. All you're doing is you're taking energy, you're turning it into matter. E equals M C squared. So then, why don't they do that with their ships? Why I need a oh, I have no idea. See how? See why it doesn't make sense? Oh, it's it's world breaking. Absolutely, theoretically possible though. It, any again, anything is theoretically possible. But... The amount of energy taken to just make a hamburger in one of those things would Stupid. be astronomical. <laughs> like, where are you getting that energy from? Probably the capacitors that they use to travel at warp ten. I don't even know that <laughs> that would be enough. Probably not. Wait, but anyways. So Star Trek is one that's it's it's fascinating just... and world breaking. But luckily everything in Star Trek is world breaking, so it's all equals out. It's true. But let's jump into the Mass Effect side of things. This one might be a little more short and sweet. Mass I'm not sure. Relays. I'm not sure how many of you guys have played Mass Effect. My <coughs> brother Andromeda is is garbage. My brother played Mass Effect when it first came out and then he kind of got me into it. Uh, when he was in college, I'd come up to visit him uh, at the college he went to and, and played. That's around the time Mass Effect 3 come out. And I I got hooked on Mass Effect 3. The online is so much fun. And that kind of sparked my curiosity because he had read the books and all had has graphic novels. And I was like, oh, shoot. I might give it a try. I played it. I loved it. It just. I've played them on and off a little bit. I've completed a couple of the games. Not a huge fan. It just didn't catch me. And to each, it it is a slower developing game, and it does take a lot of of memory to remember races and to remember all of that stuff. The politics and all, yeah. But luckily, it caught my attention enough for me to pay attention to that kind of stuff. Skyrim in space. Yeah, pretty much. But the way they travel Mass Effect is they have they have these mass relays in space that were built by the Pro- Protheans. Ship cannons. So at this point, it was about 20,000 years ago in the time Mass Effect takes place, which is 2100s, I believe. And 20,000 years prior was this race called the Protheans, and they were like an ancient builder race, super technologically inclined. And they would they were able to travel through space by creating these mass relays that almost look like giant rail guns. Yeah. And they have a core charge with these spinning rings that are powered by gravity and electromagnet electromagnets. And the way it works is when your ship would get close enough, you would communicate with it. You would send out basically a pulse, and the mass relay would accept this communication. It would begin firing up its rings super fast, faster than the speed of light. These rings would shoot out a charge to the ship, to the relay on the ship that shot out to communicate with it. Yeah. And it would then... Depending on the direction you want to go, you tell it, and it moves to the direction of the planet or star you want to travel to. Grabs a hold of the ship, and with the with the charge running on the relay, it literally catapults your ship so faster than the speed of light. So I'm going to go back into it's a ship cannon. It's liter- like I said, it's literally a giant railgun. 
like okay. that just launches you and rips a hole in time. I'm just gonna throw this out there, even if it worked, even if it's incredibly convenient and incredibly safe. I'm not crawling into a cannonball <laughs> to be loaded into a moon-sized railgun and shot across space. It's actually the most feasible way to travel through time. Moon-sized cannon. It's no different than to your... To be lobbed across space. No different than your gravity theorem that you said they're working on now. Oh, we'll just get it right it's on the fly. I'd rather be launched. You into literally space. just point it in the right direction and go. That's it's how the mass relays work in Mass Effect. Except it's a cannon. I'm just saying, I'd rather be propelled by something that was clearly made by a superior race twenty thousand years ago than human beings who took hundred oh, years I'm to a, land on I'm the moon. I'm a xenophobe. Shut up. <laughs> Humans are the superior race. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what species of alien from what universe. We are the superior race. Oh. And and the only evidence you need of that is Mace Windu. Can, can you really? Mace Windu. Like, relate to... Oh, okay, fine. Mace Windu. All right, anyways. So Mass Effect's way of travel is... It makes to me it makes the most sense, just because of how simplistic it is, but also because the technology required is all technology that's acquirable. Uh, no. Save for not having these relays in the middle of space, uh, twenty thousand light years away. Save for the fact away. that you have to make a structure that's capable of traveling nearly the speed of light. Centrifugal force dealt upon that would shatter it. I'm talking about the rings around the hub. Um, they would be held stasis by an electromagnetic field. The rings themselves... Around a plasmatic arc. The rings themselves, at that rate of acceleration, would shatter. Circular motion. Around the center point. They spin. Correct, but it's not really a that point. That is still... There's, it's centrifugal, but there's no point. They're still they're, moving. There would still be outward force. But it makes the most sense. To me. Except that it would explode the moment you tried to fire it up. The rings are that the are magnets. Spinning. I'm just talking about the physical rings spinning in space. Okay, of but they're not spin they're they're attached to And that would create a force applied outward on the ring. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how it creates the charge itself. Yes, that's fine. I, I totally understand that. That's why I'm Except confused. For I'm the like, fact why are that you the rings would explode? Not if they're held together by magnetism. Do you have to remember how big these rings are? Do you remember the game and how big these mass relays boom. are? They're humongous. Yes, which is why they're terrifying because they would go boom. Not necessarily. I mean, yeah, okay, so if, you would if have you to be able to build them out of something ridiculously strong. But... I see your point because I'm going to put it to you with a really small basic theory. Take a fidget spinner, put it in a vise, clamp down the vise as hard as you can. Take an air blower gun, hold the air blower gun there, and just let the air spin it until it can't spin anymore. Eventually, it reaches a speed that it can't exceed. Yeah, but you're in space, so you don't have you don't have a lot of the resistance, so it could spin faster. But depending on the, but it would still have a limit. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're in space or underwater; it still has a limit because physics has those kinds of limits. 
So just because it's in space, it would eventually reach a limit to where the charge would be enough to propel a ship into space without blowing up. That also depends on the materials it's made out of. That depends on a lot of a lot of things. That depends on the ship. Fair enough. Uh, the ship's going to have to be made out of something pretty tough. But anyways. You are correct. There is a chance that it could be ripped apart. However, everything has a limit. And those limits are reached through technological advancements. The Protheans, being a technologically inclined race, were able to come up with the science behind creating this to where it didn't do that. Or else the game wouldn't have created that kind of faster yeah. than light travel. Right. <laughs> I mean, think about it. But that's that's a really... I don't like Mass Effect's travel. I get why they did it. I don't like it. Well, if and you don't like Mass Effect, maybe you'll like Halo. I do like Halo. I love Halo. I've been playing Halo 1 again. What are you talking about? I've, I've beat, I just beat that one again. I've been playing it, like, nonstop. <laughs> I just got Halo 1 again, and yeah, I'm enjoying it. Anyways. So, Halo's... Slip Space. Slip Space is one that's really touchy for me. I love Halo. I have so many books, and I've played those games for so many hours. Wormhole travel. But they literally tear a hole in space wherever they want. So they don't just tear a hole in space. You're, You're not tearing a hole you are folding space in on itself so that two points touch that's tearing a hole in the space-time continuum then, that's what a wormhole is you then open that touching point and travel through mm. it before allowing that wormhole to collapse and space to flatten out it's a really elegant solution to faster than light travel because it's the only one that doesn't just go, we go brr. But it's also the only one that isn't possible. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. There is no, I don't care how far in the future you oh, go, there's no way to achieve that. If you think Star Trek is, is overpowered and world-breaking, wormhole travel is absolutely outrageous. They're the literally breaking of, the, the physics behind the space-time continuum. Well, first of all, in order to do that, you would have to have control of the gravitational forces at both sites. You're to exactly. and from. In order to fold it in upon itself. Because you'd have to be able to communicate with another point in time and space Yes. to be able to do this. Without a ship at that exact location you want to travel to to communicate to? You wouldn't need a ship. You'd need a beacon or, or a... But you, yeah. you know what I mean, though. There has to be something there... To communicate, to work in tandem with your point yes. in time. Without You're going to have to have a to and a from. That's why That's why I said earlier, it's literally tearing a hole in space. Oh, and even if you had a to and a from, uh, with slip space, you would probably need to take the node that you're going to and drop it to where you were and transfer yourself to where it was so that you could collapse that wormhole safely. Don't get me wrong, physically and on screen, it's stunning. Visually stunning. I love it. And it's really convenient for the storyline. Cinematically speaking, it's it's amazing. Especially when I love the Covenant ships when they do well, it. Well, not just cinematically. You also have to think about the fact that the reason that was created was probably and most likely to move plot. And it does a really, really elegant solution yeah, because moving it's, the plot. Because it's instant. Right. Now, the humans did have light drives. Yes. 
they utilized that form of travel, but it was similar to Mass Effects in that they would just get launched. Yeah, they had they had really crappy slip space engines. Because without those slip space engines or excuse me, they have those slip space engines because they recognized that those ships would be immediately torn apart. Oh yeah. By traveling at the speed of light. I That's why slip space makes slip space makes the most sense. I will say as iconic as a lot of ships from a lot of universes are, I think Halo's human faction has the best ships. Oh, by far. I think they just really have a elegance to them. They're so simple and human. They just look like something humanity would build. They almost look like like if a an aircraft carrier on the ocean was just turned into a spaceship. Yeah, and then or a battleship turned into it. Like the pelicans look like little cruisers. You know what I mean. The the bigger ships look kind of like somebody took an aircraft carrier and an A ten Warhog and had a you know, made a baby. <laughs> a beautiful baby. Yes, <laughs> just absolutely wonderful. They are probably my favorite ships in any universe. Throw a Matt Cannon in there, and it's the best ship in the world. Or, th- or three. Why not? <laughs> why not? Who cares? Uh, but. Well, I, I, I do like the Covenant ships, though, too. I don't. They're very reminiscent of, in my mind, like insects. Big old turds, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like them. I, I don't like the color They're scheme. Ali- I, like I them. don't like the... I love the color scheme. <clears throat> They're very alien-esque. They were what you would think of, of an alien coming to a planet. Not Star Wars, because all those ships are... Very futuristic. Yeah. Star Trek ships are all this. The Romulans all have the same ships. Yeah. The Klingons all have the same ships. Yeah, but that has more to do with the budget of the original show. Okay, not just the original show, but even in the movies, newer movies, they're all the same. Right, but once you create the universe to have that ruling, I mean, it kind of is what it is. If anything, I'd really love Mass Effect's ships. They're neat looking. Like, the human ships in Mass Effect are, like, they're cool looking. Like race cars that were made into spaceships almost. It's really cool. Yeah, they're and very the streamlined. Ships, the Geth ships are very like, I, I don't know how to explain, like floating squids. Yeah. That's pretty cool. They're, they're, they're cool. Mass Effect has some really cool ships, but I gotta say Halo does it best. humans have the best ships of any sci-fi. They do. Even the Prometheans have some cool ass ships too. Yeah, they do. The Forerunner ships. <sighs> but... Yeah, I, I'd say Halo probably the least achievable as far as hyperspace travel goes. As far as I know, yeah, probably. Physically speaking, with the laws and theories that we have for our species to achieve that form of travel, it's the most theoretically incorrect. I don't know enough about wormholes or the theories of wormholes. I don't think it sounds reasonable at all. That's what I mean. The the laws that we have and the physics and the astronomy that we know, it's it doesn't make sense. least likely to happen. But I I guess to wrap things up, I'd say, in my opinion, in order of most achievable, Mass Effect probably being. Let 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 me put it to you like this: the number one most achievable, as ironically impossible as it sounds is Star Wars. 
that's at this moment probably number one most achievable. I think shipboard. I think it has to be shipboard. If it was strictly just the ship itself able to travel from A to B, no relays, no... Well, I don't think you can argue in, in reality, like our reality, that, that we will have the technology inside of a thousand years oh, to be not. able to build a relay, like a, a space cannon. I think it has to be shipboard. I think it has to be built into the ship if you're going to have faster than light travel in modern time. That's why I say Star Wars probably number one to be most achievable. And I think you're probably gonna have to use gravity engines. I really do. Or a super huge explosion. I don't think that'd be enough. That could propel you. It doesn't have to necessarily be. I don't think that's enough to propel you past gra- past the. Light it would. Speed it would have to be enough of an explosion to blow up all of Earth. Well, okay, so. Supernovas do not create faster-than-light travel of particles. No, it's the acceleration that would propel you. Not It doesn't to create the them out of, of... That's what I'm saying. It would have to be enough of an explosion to propel you in, past that point. In order to travel faster than the speed of light, you are going to have to use gravity to compress space. That is all there is to it. It almost have to be a slingshot effect. Like if you were to pull a rubber band back far enough and let go. Maybe. That's the only way I can ever see <laughs> interstellar travel. To, you're, if you want it in reality, you're going to have to change the shape of space around the ship. The ship cannot, a physical item cannot move faster than the speed of light. So you're talking... What you need to do is compress the space compress space physical space in front of the ship and expand it behind you so that you're not relative tra- you're not traveling relative to your you know relative you're not traveling faster than the speed of light the space around you is is deforming at a rate that makes you travel faster than light potentially could you're talking about teleporting. No, no, no. I'm talking about using gravity to distort Teleportation space. is distortion of space. No, teleportation is, is being able to jump from one place to another. By distorting the space around you. Uh, there's several ways to do it. I no, mean, there's, there's teleportation in Star Trek is, is actually Okay, again, Star Trek breaking the world. I'm talking about teleportation as we know it is literally distorting space around you and appearing... In another distorted space. Well, it would be more like a wormhole of time. Okay, but what teleportation s- would be more like a wormhole. What you're saying breaks the space-time continuum. No. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. The space-time continuum can only exist as long as you're traveling through at the speed of light. If you're bending and breaking space around you, you're not breaking it. You're bending it, warping it. Okay. Much like any gravitational body does. A gravitational well might warp, but bodies every, every gravity, don't. Everything that has gravity warps space-time to a certain degree. The sun yeah, warps it a little bit. No. The moon warps it a little bit. Minusculely. Black holes warp it a lot. Well, black holes, because the amount but of gravity you, a black hole has is... But if you could compress the space in front of you and expand the space behind you, you could ride that wave 
at rates just, that are faster than the speed of light without actually traveling faster than the speed of light. And I think that's the only way we can do it with the amount of power we can produce. I still don't see that as a feasible solution to space travel. Yes, because electromagnetic accelerator cannon, that, that's the solution. It'd be the one I'd like to go on. That, that, I'm not yeah. going to trust any ship that any government makes that they're like, yeah, what about Tesla? go ahead, fire this baby up. What about <laughs> Tesla? Screw that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, punch that hyperdrive. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. The minute you do it and the there ship starts only, to rip apart and you is, become spaghettified. Yeah. There is only two no, ways that this goes. There is only two ways that this goes. It either works, and I am the most badass in history, like Neil Armstrong, get out the way. Or, or it doesn't, it doesn't work. work, and it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> it's just... It, it doesn't it doesn't it's not sense. gonna concern you if it doesn't work you know why because you will be little teeny particles scattered across about a light year of space you'll be you'll be spaghettified oh <laughs> uh, you'll literally turn into the z-axis <laughs> <laughs> x and y Pff, I'm <coughs> well I, I don't know I I think that the at least the hierarchical structure that I firmly believe it would be theoretically achievable fill star wars mass effect star trek and halo is probably the last one on my list it's entirely possible theoretically plausible well, all things considered things we have the technological plausible. what i'm saying we have the technology we have the people who are willing to engineer these things star wars is probably going to be the most achievable if it actually works in, in reality. If there was a ship that could withstand that kind of pressure and force and gravity. Oh, it's the acceleration all within that's the blink of an eye. It, that's my point. All at, at one point in time. And then Mass Effect being the second one because we already have the knowledge of electromagnetics and kinetic force. See, and my concern there is the slowing down process. Because getting something up to speed in space, not that hard. It's it's the slowing down on the other end that I would worry about. You'd have to, ha as far as Mass Effect is concerned, you mean? You'd have to have a way to slow the ship. So the way that, that I would see that working is when you get to that other relay in space, for Mass Effect anyways, as soon as you reach a certain distance, that those electromagnetic spindles know you're coming because when you reach a certain point the sensors on your ship reach out to it that's how you're knowing you're traveling from a to b right yeah, it seems like a lot of technology to have faith in. stop it so as soon as you approach this new relay the electric the, the reverse polarity of the polarity your ship has now achieved catches you and slows you oh, down oh a cushion, an airbag. No, not an airbag, but it catches you. <laughs> an that, electromagnetic airbag that coil to smash into face first. Grabs you and slows you down. You know what that makes me think of? Spaceballs. And ludicrous speed. We've gone to plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's such a good movie. <laughs> um, but no, it, it either propels you on the trajectory and over time you reach your destination and it's at a certain point these relays would know how fast they need to go to get you to point A to point B 
So it would give you enough speed and enough force to throw you that by the time you get to your planet, you've already decelerated to where you just go back into light travel. Yeah, but that's not how I... Think about it. The relay knows, okay, you're going to this planet, which is 10 trillion light years away. Okay, so... I'm going to propel you enough 10 trillion light years that by the time you reach there... So you're dealing with a ridiculous amount of, of just technology on both ends. Okay. You'll, you'll have decelerated to the point where you can go back to light travel. Yeah, that's entirely impractical for us because... Uh, we don't have floating relays in space. Yeah, and uh, we would have to be able to travel faster than light to get to the next system in order to set up another relay in order to receive... Yeah, no, that's not going to work. You're going to be flying at, at super luminal speeds. On pen and paper, it makes it, sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe to you. Want to learn about... Wanna Fill learn, up. Want to learn about Warhammer? Two words for you. Theoretically plausible. But not reasonable. So you're not thinking outside of the box. I know you have a problem being a realist, but I, I will let I will let other people think outside of the box. I am content in my warm and cozy box. That's what I'm saying. Theoretically plausible. It doesn't mean it's possible. It means there's tendencies that it could become a thing given the right circumstances. Fair enough. You want to learn about Warhammer? I know absolutely nothing about Warhammer besides the guys when I go to the local comic book store who play it tabletop-wise. I personally love Warhammer 40K. Um, what I will say is the reason I got into Warhammer in the first place was painting minis. So, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I didn't even know anything about it. I just thought the minis looked really cool. Anyways, so the faster-than-light travel in Warhammer is kind of not even faster than light, or at least it could not be faster than light. It could be slower than the speed of light, or it could be faster. Yeah. How would it could be slower be okay. the actual time? Well, so the okay. way it works... No, I kind of see... So the way it works go. in this universe is there's the Materium, which is the Material Universe. Okay. And... In parallel is the immaterium, the oh, non-material universe. God, parallel universe theory. No, it's not parallel universe theory. It, okay. It's just this, they overlay each other. One of them is material, one of them is non-material. Hmm. Uh, the non-material is referred to as the warp. Okay. So when traveling at warp, you're not traveling at warp, you're traveling in the warp. And the warp is sort of a spiritual realm. It's like the carpool lane on the interstate. Kind of. <laughs> if the carpool lane had Jesus. Right. right. <laughs> okay. So when traveling in real space, you travel through space and time as it exists. Okay. When traveling in the warp, you're actually inside of this non-material realm. It's like a spectral a, realm. Yeah. Okay. But you're in a pocket of reality. The ship's Geller fields, which is their, their warp shielding, create a pocket of reality that you can survive in mm. as you slide into the warp. Now, the reason I say that it can be faster than, light, uh, faster than light travel or slower than light travel is because there is no logic in the, in the spectral realm, in the warp. There is no laws of physics. There is no laws of reality, motion. Interesting. None of the none of the laws of physics that we have in the material realm apply. Time. What created that? 
the gods of chaos. Oh, okay. Fitting name for someone who creates an entirely different section. An entirely chaotic section of space. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, we'll get it. We can get into that later. Go as fast or as slow as you want. You still don't exist, and you might end up faster in light or forward oh, in time oh, or backward gets, in time. Who knows? It gets yeah. It gets even crazier because you can go into the warp, travel from this place to this place in the Immaterium, and reappear. And realize that it's been six hundred years in the material universe, but you only spent three hours in the Immaterium. So it's like the Speed Force and the Flash. Kinda. Okay. But because time and relativity and none of the laws apply, your pocket that moved your pocket of reality that moved through the warp only existed for six six hours, and you came out a hundred years in the future. Because this moved in a linear fashion, you did not. Or, you could leave a place that should take you about six months to get to, and it took you three hours. So it's like you were in the warp for six months. But when you popped out, it had been six hours from when you left to when you got there. Insane. So what about going backwards in time then to reverse that effect? Same, same yes, rules apply, so to speak. Kind of. As far as I can tell from the lore, they don't really do the backwards in time thing just because it makes it very difficult to have a cohesive lore. So, as far as I can tell, the only reason they don't do the backwards in time is because it's hugely problematic for timelines and creates a lot of convoluted unnecessary issues sounds a lot like the filioni universe yeah basically but oh, we're least... running up onto disney's timeline let's just take a corrective course south and then go forward in a parallel spectrum right <laughs> well luckily they don't do that because they just don't fall into that temptation they just choose not to go backwards in time because that would cause a lot of problems to the timeline. Well, it uh, trust me, it doesn't a lot of a lot of interstellar travel, science fiction or fantasy based. A lot of that they going do the backwards time travel thing, which I, it it all the theories behind why you can't go backwards in time makes sense. But it makes sense because in that timeline, essentially, if I were to go back in time and slap the teachers I didn't like who gave me Fs. I could have grown up, gone forward in time, and ended up in jail for assault. Because something along my timeline would have happened that would have triggered or... Or had I gone back in time and not gone to school for welding, but gone to school for diesel technology. Like, then you go forward in time, your entire future has changed. And because your future changed, you wouldn't have the opportunity to go back in time to change your future. It's just time, general time par- paradox. But it's... Can you really call it a paradox? Yeah. Because we don't know how it's going to work. It can't work. History abhors a paradox. That's exactly so the problem go- with traveling back exactly. in time. Exactly. So going back into history... It- so the only way that works is if you're parallel universe theory. If going back in time creates a parallel universe where your effective change, and when you come back forward in time, you're in your universe, you change nothing for no, yourself. No, now you're talking about something completely different. You're talking about two separate timelines with the same person. Yes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking right, about the same Right, that's the only way time. it would work. You see, if you go back in time, and you put yourself on a different path, 
as you grow up from that path, you would no longer be in the situation you're in now, which is the situation in which you have time travel. But the me here now. So because you don't have be time travel, you can't go back and reassign that path. So you would go back to growing up to be you, person A. Person A goes back, creates person B. Person B comes up and can't go back to create person A. But person A would cease to exist on that person B's timeline. Do you see the problem? Exactly. But me here now on on person A in A's timeline would still exist regardless of person B. Would have to. That's why your parallel theory doesn't make sense. It would have to be parallel universes in which you create a branch. A couldn't go to B and B couldn't go to A. That's where the parallel theory doesn't make sense. B wouldn't be created. You you, You would have to find a way to cross over. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You'd that that's the only way it would work, and it doesn't make sense. Episode for another time. <laughs> we're gonna get off way too far, but well, we're running out of time here, folks. But for those of you who stuck with it, hope you learned a lot. Faster than light travel has always been something that's fascinated the minds of scientists and nerds like Philip and myself, and hopefully you guys too. As always, feel free to reach out to us, Hive of Scummy Villains at gmail.com. I put out a survey a couple episodes ago on our Dress Your Day special episode. Feel free to fill it out. I've gotten a couple of responses already. People want us to do Q&As, which... I'm all for it. I would love to. We just need enough questions to fill an hour. Send us your questions. Please fill out the survey if you can. Give us a follow. All the the stuff that all the people say. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. The, The shameless plugs may be inserted here. (laughs) <laughs> like follow subscribe all that fun stuff you guys know what to do as always thanks for coming along and uh we'll see you next time have a wonderful week